Lord this morning. So let's just pray together since you're all standing before we sit down. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word, for this opportunity to look into the Christmas story and to see the authority, Father, in the word this morning. And we thank you for this opportunity. We pray that the Holy Spirit would be on this word. The things that we've heard so many times, I just pray, Father, that he would make it new to us today, that we would hear and see different things that would bless our life, that would encourage us, that'll take us higher and farther in you. Father, we thank you this morning that you are present and that you are ministering to each and every one of us in a very personal way. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated. We are in the Christmas season. <laughs> so we're not changing off of our um, message of authority. We're going to continue talking about authority. We're just going to talk about authority in two names this morning. In the name that is Emmanuel, God with us, and also in the name of Jesus. And we are blessed, we are so a blessed people because we have God with us, but we have Jesus, the name of Jesus, that gives us authority. There is not a situation that we encounter that the name of Jesus does not cover. And so praise God. <laughs> Hi, Matthew. <laughs> praise God that he is... Uh, ministering to us continually and helping us to overcome. And we can do that through Emmanuel, God with us, and the name of Jesus. So what these names mean for us today is that there's no habit, there's no painful past, there's no loss, there's no situation that we're currently in, there's no stress, there's nothing that is too big for God in us. Aren't you glad for that this morning? <laughs> Amen. Well, the first name that we're going to look at, Emmanuel, first appears in Isaiah 7:14. Now, you can go there, but I am going to just tell you a little bit of the background of what's happening in Isaiah chapter 7. So, this this message of Emmanuel was part of a prophetic word that came through Isaiah to King Ahaz and to the people of Judah. So at this time, the Israel was split in two. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And Judah is uh, the, the ones that got this word. So it was a time when Syria and Israel had formed a coalition with Assyria. Now Judah was being pulled from either direction. The, the um, Israel and Syria wanted them to come on their side against Assyria, and Assyria said, no, why don't you partner with us and we'll annihilate them? And so they had uh, different pulls from different places. Well, the prophet Isaiah told Ahaz, don't join with anyone. Why don't you just trust me? And he wanted, God wanted Judah to trust them, King Ahaz to trust them. So he invited Ahaz to ask for a sign. Ahaz had already made a secret alliance. 
with Assyria, and so he said, I'm not going to ask for a sign. But that did not mean that God was silent, because God said, I will give you a sign. If you won't ask for a sign, I will give you a sign. And so the prophet Isaiah began to speak about Emmanuel. So he stopped talking to King Ahaz, and he turns to all of the people, all of the people, and he brought a message of hope. Because this was a time when they were wondering what their future would be. And so the message of hope was this, Isaiah 7, 14, and it says, Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the young woman who is unmarried and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now, this is actually something that happened right then. And while they saw that son growing up, they saw hope. Hope for their future, hope because God spoke a word to them. But it was also prophetic of a future time when Jesus would come, when Jesus would be born of a virgin, when he would come into the earth and be God with us, Emmanuel. You know, sometimes we look at the Old Testament and it's Emmanuel with an I, and the New Testament it's Emmanuel with an E. What's the difference? Well, because one is Hebrew and one is Greek. That's all. It's the same name and it's the same person. And so Isaiah says, I... Uh, God wants to say something about this. If you won't ask for a sign, God is still going to give you one, and he has something to say. You know, I love that. The word that Alan brought to us just a few weeks ago is, who will say restore? Who will say restore? God said, if you won't say restore, let me tell you, I'm going to say it through the prophet, and I'm going to tell the people that, and I'm going to give them hope, and I'm going to put hope in their heart, because if you, the leader, won't do it, they need to know it. Oh, it was good. So then we go over to Matthew, Matthew 1:18. Now in Matthew 1:18, we see this name again, and we see the fulfillment of this prophecy that came through Isaiah. So Matthew 1:18 says this. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place under these circumstances. When his mother Mary had been promised in marriage to Joseph, before they had come together, she was found to be pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And her promised husband, Joseph, being a just and upright man, was not willing to expose her publicly to shame and disgrace her, and decided to repudiate and dismiss or divorce her quietly and secretly. But as he was thinking this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from or out of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, the Greek form of Hebrew, Joshua, which means Savior. And so, for he will bear his, excuse me, for he will save his people from their sins. That is, to prevent them 
from failing and missing the true end, the scope of life, which is God. I love how the Amplified says that. Why did Jesus come? Because he didn't want us to stay in sin. He didn't want us to stay in bondage. He wanted us not under the oppression of the enemy, but to really receive our true and rightful place as sons and daughters of God and to not miss the true end, the scope of life, which is God. I love that. So then it goes on and it says in verse 22, all this took place that it might be fulfilled, which the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which when translated means God with us. Then Joseph being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took her to his side as his wife. But he had no union with her as her husband until she had borne her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So who is he? Is he Jesus? Is he Emmanuel? Is he Jesus Emmanuel? No, he's both. He's both. He is Emmanuel, God with us, sent in the flesh to be God with us, and then by the Holy Spirit to live in us, and he is Jesus, our Savior, who came and did everything necessary so that we could receive that place and be lifted. So Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit so that his human nature could be completely sinless and he could qualify for being the Savior. In his humanity, he had both a heavenly origin of the Holy Spirit and an earthly origin through his mother Mary. This meant that the virgin birth prevented the transfer of sinless nature. He was the only one qualified to be the sacrificial lamb that could take our sin. And this really shows us the depth of God's love for us, that he himself would make himself like one of us and become human because he loved us and he wanted restoration for us. Restoration of relationship, restoration of everything that God intended for us. He didn't want us to miss the scope of real life. He wanted us to be redeemed. Praise God. So part of the wonderful story that we read is Mary's response to the angel when the angel comes. And I love this. And let's go over to Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 30 is where we're going to start, we see Mary. Now, the angel comes to Mary, and he tells her that she's blessed, and the Lord is with her. And it can be confusing, maybe. God hasn't spoken in 400 years, and the first time he comes now from Malachi to uh, Luke is to talk to Mary. So for 400 years, they haven't had one word from God, and now God is speaking to her. And so he says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace, free, spontaneous, absolute favor, and loving kindness with God. And listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, eminent, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his forefather David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob throughout the ages, and of his reign there will be no end. 
And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have not intimacy with any man as a husband? And then the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a shining cloud. And so the holy, pure, sinless thing, offspring, which shall be born of you, will be called the Son of God. And listen, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is now the sixth month with her which was called barren. For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God will be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Then Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to what you have said. And the angel left her. What's Mary's response? Mary doesn't say, oh my gosh, I'm about to be married. I have so many plans. I mean, we're planning a wedding. Are you kidding me? This is going to turn everything upside down. No, Mary says, be it done unto me according to your word. Because Mary knew this fact that there is no word from God that is without power or impossible of fulfillment. When God speaks a word, if we'll grab hold of it, if we'll really let that word be on the inside of us and change us, then that word can change everything. And so Mary knew that. And how do we know that she knew that? Well, we go over to verse 45. It says, and blessed, happy to be envied is she who believed. This is what Elizabeth is saying. She who believed. Mary was a believer. She believed the word. And it says, happy is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of the things that were spoken her from the Lord. And Mary breaks into a song, a poem, where she's magnifying God. It's called the Magnificat. And it says this, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies and extols the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon the low station and humiliation of his handmaid. For behold, from now on, and all generations of all ages will call me blessed and declare me happy and to be envied. And I say this is a beautiful part of the Christmas story because Mary is thinking about nothing of herself. She's only thinking about God and the plan of God. And she is so honored to be called upon, to be, to be one called out. She cannot think of anything else except praising God. So this could have been a very stressful situation for Mary. And in fact, when we look at, there's a, a study that was done by two psychiatrists in 1967. It's called the Holmes and Ray Study. And it's to determine whether stress, how it affects us, and whether stress really had a part to play in illnesses. And so these two doctors, because they were interested in studying this, interviewed a lot of people that had some really serious ailments. And so they found out that they had a whole lot of stressful situations in their life. And so they made a list of the most stressful, and this is some of the things on the list. So death of a spouse, divorce, marital separation, um, incarceration, personal injury, marriage, marital reconciliation, retirement, job change or job loss, 
pregnancy, additions to the family, change in financial status, death of a close friend. There's all kinds of things on this list, including changing in work conditions, changes at schools, residents, uh, recreational habits, uh, having a mortgage. That's stressful. We know that. <laughs> but guess what else is on this? Vacation and Christmas. <laughs> so the first Christmas could have been really, really stressful for Mary, but we don't see her being stressed at all. In fact, we see her responding in such a way that she is honored to be a participant in the plan of God. Well, it made me think about my own response to stress. And you know, sometimes we can gauge uh, stress in our life because when something unexpected comes, how do we respond to that? We can gauge our level of stress. So I'll tell you a story, and I've told it to you before. You know, we had taken our kids on a Disneyland vacation, and it was really fun, and we had a lot of great times while we were at Disneyland. And, but you know, it's stressful. It costs a lot of money. There's a lot of people. I don't like being in crowds that much, and I really don't like being in lines. And if you've ever been to Disney World, you're in lines all stinking day long. So <laughs> it's like so fun, right? It's Disney World, the most magical place on earth. But by the end of the day, you're just like, oh, God. So anyway, we had got to the end of our vacation, and here we were like worn out, tired, we're standing in the Orlando airport, and we walk up to the Esparo pizza counter. And so we're standing there, all of us, just like oh, looking, thinking, pizza, we're so hungry. And so this lady walks up, and she, there was a guy in front of me, and then it was my family, and there was people in the line in front of him. So she walks up, and she taps him on the shoulder, and she goes, excuse me, sir, are you in line? He goes, yeah, I'm in line. And then she just inserts herself between us and him. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I look at Mark and I go, we're in line too. And she obviously heard me because she turned and she said, I know you're in line to him. And then she said, and I know you're not in line to us. And I went, I am in line. <laughs> and then she said, no, I know you're not in line. And I said, no, I am in line. <laughs> and then it started to get like a little louder, you know, and people were looking. And then Mark walks over in between us and he goes, what are you doing? Like, go sit down. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm in line. <laughs> and I was getting like so upset and I sat down and I'm like, I was in line. There was, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Why, how can she just get in front of me? I was in line. And, but I listened to my husband. I went and sat down. It didn't make me calm down, though. And see, when something unexpected happens, that's what the stress response is. It's like, I was in line. I was ready to drop down and fight about my place in line. <laughs> and Mark's like, look, it's only pizza. You're a Christian. Go sit down. So <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. 
And you know, it made me think about too, this one time I was, I was kind of getting ready for this party and we were going to take a cake to the party and I was kind of stressed about it and I was trying to get things done and the cake was hot and it had fallen in the center and I thought, that's okay, I'll just put it on the plate, even though it's fallen, I'm going to fill it in with frosting, but then the cake was hot and the frosting started melting in it and so then it just sunk further and then I was trying to frost the outside thinking, it's okay, I'll just take a, a cake with a big hole in the middle, but that's okay. And then I was frosting the outside and then the cake started falling apart. And I just like, oh, and I grabbed that cake and I just oh, threw it in the sink. And Mark goes, so I guess we're not taking a cake to the party. <laughs> but see, those are stress responses. And that's what happens when our life is stressed out. And I look at Mary and I thought, you know, she could have been so stressed out. I mean, thinking about all the difficult conversations she was going to have to have, if people would believe her or if they wouldn't believe her, and all of that. And yet she has none of that stress. You know, when stress hits us, we can go zero to 100 on somebody in a second, and it's just overwhelming them with our emotion or with words that we don't normally even say or things like that that are just overtaking us. But how does that happen? Well, it's because on the inside, something's been stirring. We have a low-grade level of irritation, or we have, we're already to 80 on the inside. It's just not showing on the outside. So I can go 100 right like that. Just, it just takes one straw to break the camel's back, right? One straw, one poke, one person saying, I know you're not in line. <laughs> Like, I'm about to get really out of line. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> so here we are. We have stress in our lives. But Mary didn't seem to have it. In fact, she seems to have a supernatural calm. And can you even imagine having a baby in a manger? I mean, how stressful would that have been? One time we had our family reunion dinner in a barn because we were in South Dakota and the only place big enough to hold all of the 150 people in Mark's family was the barn. But the barn normally housed cows. And so although they had moved the cows there was st and cleaned it up as best as they could, there was still smell and there was still flies. And so everywhere we went, like, you're just doing this to try and take a bite, you know, because the <laughs> flies are, like, sitting on everything. That was stressful and very unappetizing. And so, <laughs> but I'm just thinking about having a baby in a barn. Oh, my goodness. Could have been stressful, but what do we see Mary do? Praising God. It says that she says, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon the low station and the humiliation of his handmaiden. For behold, from now on, uh, all generations of all ages will call me blessed and declare me happy and to be envied. How could she be so happy and praising God? Well, she had so much of the word in her. Look what else she says. For he who is almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name to be venerated, and his purity and majesty and glory, and his mercy, his compassion and kindness toward the miserable and afflicted is on all those who fear him with godly reverence from generation 
to generation and age to age. He has shown strength and made might with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the haughty and in the imagination and purpose and designs of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled and satisfied the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty-handed without a gift. He has laid hold on his servant Israel to help him, to espouse him in his cause, in remembrance of his mercy, even as he promised to our forefathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. What she saw was that God is fulfilling his promises. God has come as Emmanuel to be God with us. And God, almighty God, has seen me. But you know why God could see her? Because she saw him first. She saw him and she never let go of the word. And so Mary, where it could have been chaos, is now having a, as the Christmas song says, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. <laughs> How wonderful to have that kind of Christmas instead of the stressful Christmas that she could have had. So like Mary, when circumstances are hard, we can focus on the character and the faithfulness of God. Isn't that awesome? We can focus on him. We can take the authority of God's word and give us, let it give us a peace and a calm in the midst of difficult times. And I'm telling you, those were some difficult times. But what does she say? God saw me and I see him. Oh man, that's a promise that we can hold on to. And that's the promise of Emmanuel. There's hope in every difficult situation if we will see him and know that he sees us. He always sees you. So he came for us to be God with us. And when God invited Mary into the story, she was honored, she was blessed, she was ready to receive him. She simply said, be it done unto me according to your word. So it makes me ask the question, why could God come to Mary? What made Mary different? And what did Mary know? What did Mary know? You know, there's a song. Mary, did you know? that your baby boy would someday walk on water? Probably not. She probably didn't know that. <laughs> that he would give sight to a blind man? She probably didn't know that either. That he would calm the storm with his hand? She probably didn't know that. But she knew the faithfulness of God. She knew that he was awesome. She knew that he was true to his word. She knew that he was faithful. She knew that if he said it, it would be performed. And on the day when he came to her to invite her into the story, she said, be it done unto me according to your word. Emmanuel, God with us. Well, the second name is this. It's Jesus, our Savior. Jesus, our Savior. Matthew 1.21 says this. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, the Greek form of the Hebrew Joshua, which means Savior. For he will save his people from their sins, that is, prevent them from failing and missing the true end or the scope of life, which is God. Now, Rick Renner has a brand new book out, and it's a be beautiful book. 
Um, it's called Christmas, the rest of the story. And I was reading it this weekend, and I want to share with you just a couple excerpts from the book. So he says this, Jesus' purpose in coming to earth was not just to give us the sweet picture of a baby in a Bethlehem manger. His human birth made possible our new birth. As you celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ at Christmas time or any time, it is important to remember Jesus' birth as the greatest miracle that ever occurred, for it was a moment when God Almighty laid aside his glory and appeared on earth as a man. How wonderful to think that God would temporarily shed his divine appearance and actually take on human flesh. Yet that is exactly what he did in order to secure a restored relationship with man, his crowning creation, and an eternal destiny in heaven for all who believe. Aren't you glad that Jesus came? When Jesus came, he didn't just come as the baby. No, he actually fulfilled everything God called him to do as the Savior. And then he goes on and he says this, Almighty God came to this earth, formed as a human being in the womb of a human mother, for this purpose, for one purpose, so that he could die a miserable death on a cross to purchase our salvation. In a season of the year when most people think of Jesus as the babe in the manger, it is important that we remember the real purpose of his coming. Jesus was born as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. For Jesus to humble himself even to the death of the cross demonstrates to us how much he was willing to redeem you and me. See, he was willing to redeem us. He didn't want us to miss the purpose of life, to be with him and to live this life. So Philippians 2.7, you can go there. Philippians 2.7. Philippians 2.7 just reiterates what we just read. And it says this, it says... But Jesus stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant and that he became like a man and was born a human being. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and he carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name. In that name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue frankly and openly confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus took authority over himself to put himself in obedience to the word of God. We're talking about the authority in two names today. And in those two names, God is represented to us and God is bringing us something. And Mary herself put herself under the authority of the word of God so that she could experience Emmanuel, God with us. And then Jesus put himself under the authority of God's word so that he could be Jesus, our Savior. They put themselves under the authority. Well, 
To be in authority, we have to be one under authority. And Jesus knew something even greater than that. To restore authority, he had to put himself under authority. And so Jesus did it, and he acted in complete obedience to the word of God. Mary did it too. And look how it blessed Mary's life, where it could have been a completely stressful time of year now and time in her life. Now Mary has a peace and a calm that she's living in. And it's displayed to all of us. I mean, I don't know that I would have had the same testimony, right? <laughs> maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't have. But we all have the opportunity now to have a great testimony because of what they did. So Jesus went to extreme humility. Our highest and most powerful exercise of our authority will always be to take authority over ourselves. And unless we take authority over ourselves, we can't take authority over the enemy. So we need to take authority. And how do we do that? Well, we renew our mind to the word of God. We put on righteousness. We actually live by the word of God and we let the word change us. We let it change our actions. We let it change who we are and how we react and what we do. We let it affect the stress in our life. You know, when our hearts are full of the word of God, stress can come, but it's absorbed into that. When it's absorbed and it's swallowed up because of the word on the inside of us, because of the peace on the inside of us. The Bible tells us, great peace have they that love your law and nothing shall offend them. It says that in Psalm 119. Isaiah tells us in, uh, I think it's chapter 54. He says, all your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children and their undisturbed composure. Oh my you know, if we're losing our composure, what's the problem? Well, we might be so full of stress and the pressures of the world and not full enough of the word of God. And we can't take authority over the situations in our life that we're supposed to be taking authority over because all of a sudden we're overwhelmed. We're revving at 80 on the inside, and it just takes one straw. It takes one unexpected event. It takes one person saying one thing or poking you wrong, and then all of a sudden we're spilling out with all kinds of words that we usually never say and <laughs> all kinds of things that we don't usually do. We're binging Netflix because we just want something to help us to calm down, and we're saying things and doing things that we shouldn't do. We're drinking things that we shouldn't drink. We're watching things we shouldn't watch. We're doing things to try and ease that on the inside of us. But God says, if we fill ourselves with the word of God, this is the remedy for stress. This is the remedy, and this is the way we take authority over the things of life, and they don't affect us. Praise God. And so we have the opportunity to have Emmanuel, God with us, and Jesus, our Savior, in our everyday life. John 14, 12 says this, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me. What is it that Elizabeth said to Mary? Happy to be envied are you, the one who believed that what God said, it would be done. The one who believed. Where is our level of belief? Because I'll tell you, it'll counteract our level of stress. <laughs> I assure you most solemnly I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he 
will himself be able to do the things that I do. You want to look like Jesus, walk like Jesus, be anointed like Jesus? We put the word in and we believe. And then he says this. He says, and even greater things than these, because I go to the Father, and I will do, I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am. So the Father may be glorified and extolled through the Son. Yes, I will grant, I myself will do for you whatever you shall ask in my name as presenting all that I am. You know, who is he? He's our Redeemer. He's our Savior. He's the one who restored us to relationship with God. He has given us salvation. And what is salvation? It's that Greek word sozo. And it means to be saved, healed, delivered, prospered, preserved, and made whole. When we present all that he is over our situation, there is nothing in that that won't completely engulf it. <laughs> we are saved, healed, delivered, prospered, preserved, made whole. There's a wholeness in him. Wow. God with us. Emmanuel, and Jesus, our Savior. Luke 10, 19 says this. Behold, I have given you authority and power to trample on serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses. And nothing shall in any way harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are enrolled in heaven. He says, I want you to rejoice in the relationship that has been restored. I want you to rejoice in the relationship that Jesus, because of what he did, brought you back so you will not miss the true end. We have a relationship with him. And he says, rejoice in that, and all the rest is extra. Your authority to trample on serpents and scorpions in every situation, your physical and mental strength and ability comes from the relationship with him. Amen. So if we neglect the relationship, then we'll find ourselves having a loss of mental and physical strength and ability. Oh man, he's good. And you know, as we look at this, we see Emmanuel, God with us, coming as the baby in the manger, and Jesus, our Savior, and we think about him as dying on the cross when we think of that picture. But you know what? Jesus didn't stay in the cradle, and he didn't stay on the cross. He rose to heaven so that he could take back authority, and he could give it to us. And so we don't lack authority. He gave it to us. Luke 10 just tells us he gave us authority. But the thing is, we have to take it and we have to use it. How do we begin to use our authority? Well, we begin to speak over situations and we speak the word of God. We say, be it done unto me according to your word, just like Mary did. And when we do that, situations change, but you know what? We change too. We change so that we are equal to anything that is coming our way. Nothing can overwhelm us because of God in us. The pressure on the inside is greater than the pressure on the outside, and we overcome. Oh, man. So the devil might be stronger, but power isn't the issue. 
He's a spiritual being. He'll whip you every single time without God in you. But you got God on the inside of you. And power isn't the issue. Authority is the issue. And our authority controls the power of God working in our life. So we have to take authority. And if we take authority, there is nothing that the enemy can do. What is it that we say at the end of every service here at New Creation Church? That's right. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Do you believe it? Yes. Amen. So we got to remember who we are and we got to remember who he is. Rick Renner in this book too, he says this uh, about Philippians 2.10. Uh, the book is Christmas time, the rest of the story. And he says this, he says to bow. What does it mean that everyone, every knee will bow at the name of Jesus? To bow here pictures a person who bends his knee in acknowledgement of God's authority. It is an action that expresses honor, respect, humility, worship. Indeed, a day is coming when those in heaven and on earth will bow their knees in honor and respect for humility toward and the worship of Jesus Christ. It is not a question of if people will bow their knees to Jesus. It's only a question of when and how they will do it. See, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, and Jesus, our Savior, means that we can bow our will, we can bow our way, we can bow before him, and we can take his, and guess what he does? Just to, like he said to Mary, you have seen me and you have lifted me. He lifts us when we bow to him. Humility actually is the place of receiving honor and help from the Lord. And then he says this, to confess, it means to audibly, vocally, and publicly declare a fact. It means to speak it, yell it, or declare it loudly. This means heaven, earth, and hell will resound with the voices of all who have ever lived as they thunderously shout and acknowledge Jesus is Lord. Oh my goodness, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And when we speak that over our situations, instead of, I was in line. No, I was in line. Where is that going to get us? Nowhere. Nowhere. It's going to get you sat down at the table waiting for your pizza. But <laughs> when we speak who he is over our situations, oh my gosh, that's when they change. So I found this in some of my notes from before, and I thought, what a perfect opportunity to get us going, to rev us up on the inside with the good things, to get us in that place where we're remembering who he is, where we can voice it out loud. And so this is a little sheet. It's called, Who Is He? And you can get this if you text, Who Is He? to our phone number, 970-624-0999. You can even do it now. You can read this with me, and you can have it to download and to print out and to continue remembering who is he. So this is what it says, and this is who he is all through the word. Who is he? He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the keeper of creation and the creator of all. Oh, he's so worthy of praise. He is the architect of the universe and the ma manager of all times. 
He always was, he always is, and he always will be. Unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced and eased pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought life. He was risen and brings power. He reigns and brings peace. The world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him. Schools can't explain him. Leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. Pharisees couldn't confuse him. People couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. The new age can't replace him. He is light and love, longevity and Lord. He is goodness, kindness, gentleness and God. He is holy righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. He is, his ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging, and his mind is on me. Don't you know that? His mind has always been on you. That's why he is Emmanuel, God with you. And then he's my redeemer, he's my savior, he's my guide, he's my peace, he's my joy, he's my comfort, he's my Lord, he rules my life. His bond is love, his burden is light, he is the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the ancient of days, ruler of rulers, leader of leaders, the sovereign Lord of all that was and is and is to come. He will never leave me, never forsake me, never mislead me, never forget me, never overlook me. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, every way. He is God. He is faithful. I am his and he is mine. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and he is Jesus our Savior. Don't you praise God for who he is? I tell you, it'll do you good to download this and to go over this in the stressful time of the Christmas season, in the stressful times of everyday life. Oh my goodness, if we just download this and remember who he is and we begin to speak and declare these things with a loud voice over our situation, do you think it'll change? (laughs) Do you think it'll make a difference? Do you think it'll do something on the inside of us? Do you think if we begin to speak about who he is, that our attitudes will change? That the inside of us, the anxiety that would try and attack us, will change? Amen. I know it will. I know it will. So he is Emmanuel, God with us, never to leave us, and he is Jesus, our Savior. And we have authority in our life because of those two names today. Oh man, he's good. He loves you so much. In fact, Romans tells us this, Romans 8:35. It says, "Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famines or nakedness or peril or sword?" See, those are all the stressful things of life. Those are all the things but they can't separate you from God because he's on the inside of you. He lives there. He strengthens you from that place. And it says, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all of these things, 
we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. I'll tell you, he loved you so much. He sent Emmanuel to be Jesus, your Savior. Amen. Amen, amen. So we have hope in this Christmas season, no matter what we're facing. We cannot be separated from God's love, and we need to have his word dwelling in us so that we remember that. Amen? Amen. Well, why don't you stand with me? Pastor Mark's going to come in just a minute to receive an offering for our missionaries. But before we do that, I just want to pray. You know, we have people that visit every single week. We have uh, people that join us online. And we don't always know where everybody's heart is. And if you haven't received Emmanuel, God with us, and Jesus as your Savior today, then we're going to have an opportunity right now as we all pray together. And if you pray this prayer for the first time, I invite you to come up to our altar care team that will be up here after the service. They're here to pray with you. They're here to minister to you over any needs that are in your life. They want to pray with you. They want to see Jesus working in your life. But also, if you pray this prayer for the first time, come up and let them know. They have some books that are a gift from us to you, and we want you to have those because they'll help you grow in Christ. So let's pray together. Say, thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for sending your son. I know he gave his life so that I could have life, so that I wouldn't miss the meaning of life. And I choose to turn from my way. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me of all sin. And I ask Jesus to be my Lord today. I give my life to him. I ask you to fill me with your spirit and lead me in your great plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's a simple prayer, but if you prayed it today, it opens up a whole new world for you. A whole new world with Jesus right at the center. A world where you can take authority and you can live in that place of peace. Amen? Amen. Well, Pastor Mark's going to come, and we're going to receive that offering. Thanks. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What a timely message. Amen? Yes. Praise the Lord. Thanks for bringing that. Uh, you can be seated for just a minute. And, uh, you know, I remember years and years ago, uh, God gave me a message about Mary and Martha at Christmas. Um, and, you know, there was the Mar uh, Mary... And Martha, Martha was the busy one. She was working very hard. She had substantiated all that. And Mary was out there ministering to Jesus. And so Martha came out. Come on, Jesus, tell her to get busy and get with it. We're all anxious. It's time to have food, and you're the master, and she's not even helping. And uh, he didn't say that helping was wrong or anything. He just said she, she picked a necessary thing, and that was putting her focus on me. And so in the midst of all of it, you know, you can't just say, I'm, 
I'm focusing on Jesus, so uh, here, eat this cracker, um, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, you can, you can uh, get together, be with family, and not allow it to be stressful. Well, how do you do that? You do that by just what Pastor Tasha said, focusing on Jesus, letting him be the center of why we're enjoying our time together, what we're doing, and not allow the enemy to build that up. And as she said, there's a place really from today, certainly every single day we've been talking about taking authority. But you also can understand starting right now, today, some people, you know, I don't know when, uh, uh, the kids get out of school Friday or they get out of school sometime this week. I figured they were already out. Some people are like, they're out. So see right there, already low-grade tension. (laughs) Right? You could hear it in the voice. Oh, they're out. They're home. Um, So we already start. So don't allow the low-grade tension, you know, so that when Uncle Billy comes over, he's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Right? Or, you know, somebody just says, you know, ah, I'm not a big fan of this stuffing you made. We don't let that all just crush our world because of everything that's built up all over the week. But as things build up, we give them to Jesus. As they build up, we bring them under the authority of God's Word so that Christmas can be the best time ever. Because really, we bring Christmas. Christmas, you know, it depends on how you look at it, but we're ending our year with Christmas. I know God doesn't live in time and space, and you can put it in all the boxes that you want, but just think about it for a moment. We end in our time schedule a year with Christmas, which is what? Realizing that God loved us enough to send Jesus, to pay a price that we could not pay to redeem our life and to save us. And in that salvation, he says, old things are passed away and everything becomes new. And we know that in the new birth, but as Christians, we can say, you know what? Whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, this year is past, and we celebrate that everything's under the blood. Whether it was good and exalted, Jesus, we're so thankful. And if it was the enemy attacking our life, right now is the time to acknowledge him and the salvation and the restoration and turn our focus to the new year of which we look at his face And we say he's the author and the finisher of this next year and the years to come so that I don't repeat cycles. And so we get to celebrate, and we should do it with great confidence and great joy that we're coming to the end of whatever might have happened, putting it really at his feet, knowing he's raised it from the dead, to look forward to the year to come and to celebrate this time and not let it bring us down because of something that has happened except for what happened in Christ Jesus. Amen? Praise the Lord. So such a timely word, such a, a great blessing uh, to keep in, not just be a, a hearer of that, but to be a doer of it all week long. So, you know, when somebody says, man, Christmas was rough at my house, I can just say, did you start bringing stuff under authority on the 18th? So no matter what, you came in today with whatever stressors you had. Open up your heart. Let this word go in. Don't let the devil take it before you get out the door. If it's on hard soil, just right now say, God, break up my heart. Let that seed go right in. So all week I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about peace. No matter what stressor comes, I'm embracing this word so I can have a great Christmas celebration of you. So we're doers.
not hearers only. Amen. Praise the Lord. God's just trying to help us. Amen. As he always does. Well, it's just time. Uh, we let you know at the beginning of December, as we always do, that uh, we want to bless our missionaries. They've uh, accepted a call of God to go into different places and, and minister the Word of God. We have some uh, missionaries that we have on college campuses. We have missionaries in other states. Uh, we have uh, really not other states, other nations of the world ministering around the world. And uh, all of them, whether they're on college campuses or, or what, they're, they're receiving donations from people. And sometimes those go up and down. Uh, they're not necessarily on a payroll where they may get a Christmas bonus. And so we've just uh, really felt impressed years ago to bless our missionaries with a Christmas bonus. You all have together, uh, collectively, it comes out to, to a blessing to them. And so whatever God's had you to do, if you've been praying about that, uh, we believe that God just puts the right thing on every, each and every heart. And we're able to bless them every single year in, in a really tremendous way. And we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Praise the Lord. So if you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. And if you're giving by text, uh, you can go on the text line right there. And uh, once again, you have been so generous. They have been in, uh, immensely and, and greatly blessed year after year uh, by your generosity to them. And uh, we always get emails back. We get cards back. Thank you so much for your generosity uh, so timely. Sometimes, you know, we trust that they're going to be able to utilize it to bless their family, to really do Christmas. But sometimes they say that came at a perfect time. Our donations have been down. We've been believing God just to make it uh, for this month. And uh, you've, you've allowed that to happen for some of our missionaries at different times uh, when their giving has gone down because of whatever circumstance, and you bless them. But we hope that their things stay up, and this is just a blessing where they get to enjoy Christmas uh, in a fashion that is just uh, what God would do for them. Amen? Praise the Lord. We ready? Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to give. We're so grateful. We're so thankful for the blessings that you brought into our life. God, we're thankful for those who you've called into different places, hard places, different places in the world. And they've accepted that call to go. Not all of us will get that call. But they have accepted. They have obeyed you in that call. Many have left opportunities for jobs. Many have left family situations to go and to obey you. And so, Father, we're just so grateful and thankful that we can participate in the gospel going into all the world through them, through giving. And so we thank you for this opportunity to give into their lives, into their families, and into the gospel. We command this offering to be blessed towards the missionaries to meet every need and beyond. Not just the needs that they have, but allow them to have a blessed Christmas with them and their families. Father, for each and every giver, I command the word of the Lord upon them that you supply their every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That as they give, it will be given back to them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give into their bosom. I thank you that, Lord God, because we obey your system of giving and receiving, that you're able to open up the windows of heaven, pour out blessing, that we're not able to have room to receive it. In every way, you rebuke the devourer for our sake, that we might walk in blessing. We command that upon each and every one, the gift and the giver alike, as missionaries receive it, it goes farther than they ever imagined because your hand is upon it. We give you glory for it. 
In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. Don't forget tonight, tomorrow night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll be praying into 2023. Some instances praying into 2024. Uh, I believe God has some great things. He's spoken some great things. We want to participate in what God is doing. Amen? And uh, it'll help us even, even as we pray to be doers of what we heard today, to begin to declare uh, the things of God in the midst of even circumstances that are almost unbelievable. Amen. Mary had circumstances that to the natural eye would look unbelievable, but she said, just be it unto me according to your word. And then she began to praise him and pray and uh, praise the Lord. Jesus came. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand up? Say this we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.